0: This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to The Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Because I'm I'm dynamite TNT And I win that fight TNT I'm a power
2: load TNT <laughs> Watch me explode Woo! Good evening and welcome to the Andre K Show. It is Tuesday evening here in San Diego. So glad to have you all here with me. Guess who's here with me? Dijon. Hey. <laughs> hey.
3: Was that better? Was it more excited? Yeah,
2: that was. Last week, it was like, what? It certainly wasn't an explosive. And speaking of explosives, it is just, it is exploding all over the place today, all around uh, the world, and particularly up in Minnesota and down in Florida. Uh, things have been exploding, things have been blowing up. In fact, on last night's show, I talked about, uh, I was using the analogy of a. Of the long-running, very successful feature article in Ladies Home Journal called Can This Marriage Be Saved? And it was something that, you know, one of the main things I ever looked at Mama's Ladies Home Journal's, you know, magazines. Uh, recipes and that article was the main thing I looked at. And, and I was thinking about an analogy of when marriages go bad, sometimes it ends up with a pile of laundry in the front yard with gas thrown over it and lighten a match. And, you know, today it just got even worse. Just when you think there wasn't, you know, any other way that we could blow ourselves up. And uh, really, who's who's the neighbor watching, glad that the attention is all across the street? Well, it's the Democrat Party. You know, so much is, is being ignored over there. What are we talking about? We've been talking about for the past week. We've been talking about uh, Wifegate and this ad and this was who was behind this super pack and what's going on with this. National Enquirer story. And then, you know, um, actually before that, people were talking about a story involving rallies and violence going on at Trump rallies. Well, then today, Corey Lewandowski uh, was arrested. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, he was arrested for battery against a Breitbart uh, former, now former Breitbart reporter. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about. Um, How it might affect the primaries going forward, which is uh, next week is in Minnesota. And I think the week after that is New York. And, you know, Trump has kind of blown up the primary race. He didn't himself think that he would get this far. And so many people are supporting him. If you look at the endorsement that happened this morning from uh, Walker, in part, I mean, it reads as though, you know, it's really about an anti-Trump. It's less about being pro Cruz and more about not being Trump because he says that, you know, Cruz is the only one that can stop Trump. Well, what's the Trump movement been about last week? I talked about if the horse is dead dismount and what's that, what's the dead horse, the GOP establishment Trump represents blowing up the party from within Endorsements. So, you know, what what does today's endorsement from Scott Walker mean? Do they any of them really mean anything? I think in the past, you know, a big name endorsement that might be a stranger to you and me, um, because none. I don't know Scott Walker. I know. People who have met him, but that didn't mean I know him. And that doesn't mean they know him just because you've met somebody and you're shaking their hand doesn't mean you know somebody. So I got to thinking about endorsements. Does it matter? How, how important is an endorsement to you or to anybody else or to a campaign, at least long term, when it comes from a big name, somebody that none of us know personally? I mean, how persuasive is that to your life, especially if this is a big name person who the week before was bad mouthing the very person they turn around and endorse? Or is an endorsement from somebody in your personal life who pays attention to politics, I have friends and family who will say to me, you know what, I don't pay attention to this stuff. Who are you for and why? Because they're maybe looking for me to persuade them and, and, and kind of do the work for them. I think a personal friend and, and, or family member endorsement, somebody that you trust, I think tends to carry the most weight in terms of persuading somebody for a candidate. In terms of persuading against candidates, uh, Drew Rutberg posed an interesting question to me on Facebook. He said, I think a great topic for your show should be the impact of the mass endorsements in terms of campaign supporters that are all over social media, people that we may know personally, people that we only know through social media, strangers on social media, the mass endorsements from the masses who primarily this primary season have not been... Going to a friend and saying why they're for this candidate, who they're for and why, the pro-candidate persuasive argument, it's all a bit been nothing but negative, negative, negative. I started talking about this negative anti-Trump stuff long before, I mean, actually even before the first debate, particularly after then the first debate in which I saw on Fox News to me what What got characterized as a as an anti trump hit piece by Megyn Kelly, which to me was an anti entire republican party pe- uh, job. I thought she attempted to paint the entire Republican party as woman hating misogynist that 's what I saw go down and so but th- that was really at the time. When things started splitting and when you started getting this never Trump people because it became I stand with Megyn Kelly versus I stand with Trump and it kind of kind of blew up the primary process from the get go in terms of our unity at that point. And that was long before Lewandowski was accused of anything, long before any National Enquirer article, long before Any Melania ad or or any of that stuff going down. Since then, so here's some, we've had some key endorsements. So we've had Carson come out for Trump, which many people thought that should be a really important endorsement because here you've got a black Republican and he is endorsing the guy in the race that the left likes to call a racist. But if you listen to Carson's endorsement, it was really less pro-Trump and it was more anti-establishment. See, Carson gets it. He is a brilliant man. And he gets the fact that what's going on in the problem that we have as a nation is we have a political system that needs to be blown up. He talked on Hannity's Show a couple of days ago about the control that the average American does not understand. That is control and in part a collusion of control between the parties and the media. And as we look towards a contested convention... That's at play, and that's one reason why Carson endorsed him. But then it was kind of a half-throated endorsement for Trump because, you know, Trump had said basically, you know, he was a so-so surgeon and that kind of stuff. So because it was a half-throated endorsement, it really didn't carry the weight that it could have. If Carson had really stated it in a different way, been full-throated about it, explained that it was – maybe even just come out and be honest and say, you know what? It's less about Trump and it's more about an anti-establishment. I think it would have had more weight. Fiorina, she comes out. I loved her out the get go. A lot of people said that her endorsement of Cruz was going to be really important because remember back to that first debate in which they had it be, you know, to me, it was a hit piece on all Republicans to paint them all. Let's dredge up that phony war on women from 2012. And Kelly was successful at doing that. I thought, great. You know, Fiorina is going to help, you know, deal with this this woman issue. At Woman voter issue. And then immediately within seconds, here's a video of her on some show to where she basically said, Cruz says one thing in one campaign rally in one town and another and another. And he's just another dime a dozen. Big talk and lying politician. And so her endorsement meant absolutely nothing. Uh, Christy. You know, Christy goes up to New Hampshire and does this debate where it's all about you got to have experience and we got to have a governor in the race because, you know, it, it's basically a pro establishment via governor. I even did a monologue on that. You got to have an established, you know, uh, experienced executive experienced in government guy running the show. And then because he doesn't get anywhere in New Hampshire, turns around and endorses Trump and, and then he looks like he's, you know, a wife you know, supporting her wayward husband at a press conference, you know how they always trot out the wife, the wife who's been wronged. I mean, it was terrible. Um, So Walker, you know, coming out today, I say that these actually, at the end of the day, because they have all violated, primarily, mainly because they've all violated, these are all great people, but mainly because they've all violated Reagan's 11th commandment, their endorsements actually mean nothing to me. I really liked Scott Walker. I was really bummed. I thought he did a really bad job. I was really looking forward to him to be my number one guy going in. I think that he had uh, a charisma and a personality and a charm and a genuineness that Cruz is sorely sorely lacking. I think he's got the executive experience. I think he's got the toughness. I think he knows how to go up against the left and win in a way that uh, that Cruz does not. So I was kind of so it it not only didn't help me in any way be more pro Cruz, it actually just reminded me of of how bummed I was that Walker got run out on a rail. You want women to die? Megyn Kelly asked him. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And the Republican Party allowed it to become all about Trump versus Kelly, which was crazy. It was a hit job on everybody. So now here we got Walker, who, who in my opinion, could have just been a great, great candidate for us in the primary, now endorsing one of the two left. And, you know, he says in, in part that he thinks that he's the only one, Cruz is the only one that can beat Trump and beat Hillary you know, I don't even know that he believes that because, you know, um, we all know it's going to a contested convention. And really, I think if there's any Cruz supporters out there who feel confident that the, you say, if you say, I've been saying for a while that Cruz is not the anti establishment guy, as far anti establishment as many people think he is, I don't think he's an outsider when you're. Past career for 20 years has been in government and working with the Bush people. Hard to call yourself an outsider. But clearly, he is disliked by the establishment Republican Party. Clearly, no question whatsoever. And I don't think that anybody should be delusional enough to think that they should support the idea of a contested convention under the idea that the establishment's just going to hand it to Cruz. I don't see that happening. Most importantly, I started asking people a while back on my Facebook wall, tell me who you're for and why. I cannot stand any more of all day long, incessant, all day long anti-Trump, the insults, name calling of Trump supporters. I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to see anybody all day. Whoever you're for, tell me who you're for and why. The constant, all day long, especially on Twitter and on Facebook, of negative, 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 negative does not work. Some people said, well of course it works. We wouldn't be mudslinging if it didn't work. I, I can tell you right now, from myself, I I can't speak for other people, although I've had a lot of people tell me, in fact that's the reason why somebody suggested this topic today. That the endorsements, the mass endorsements of the negative people, the mean people who are taking the Saul Alinsky liberal-like approach of you don't give a full-throat an endorsement to my guy, you dare pose a question about my guy, you dare say something I don't want to hear about my guy, and I'm going to call you every name I can think of, I'm going to beat you down with the bully stick. Let me tell you, not only does it not work, but it makes me want to run from your guy. You are not helping your guy doing that. It's far less important at this stage... To hear Walker or anybody else who was who was on a debate stage or or in the interviews bad mouthing anybody who's left to come out with an endorsement, it's far more important and more critical that we knock off all this anti 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 crap all day long and insulting each other because you are not doing anything for your candidate. If your goal is just to prove to yourself that you're the smartest guy in the room and you're smarter than everybody else, well, then maybe you can you know satisfy yourself with that when we all lose. In the general election. To me, the endorsements that matter the most and the ones that are most critical right now and the worst thing that we have to deal with as a party is this constant negative all day long. I'm going to take a break and we come back. I got somebody who's always more fired up than me who's going to be here to talk about all this. It's Wayne Allen Root from Root for America. This is The Andrea K. Show on good. 70. I knew that I would not.
1: So good. I got oh,
4: I Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, Kay, spelled K A Y E.
2: Want to start living better, longer? Lavita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Dig it? Right on. This is the perfect bumper music for my next guest. He's a bad m- Shut your mouth. I'm talking about Wayne Allen. Wayne Allen Root, that is. Root for America. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show, Wayne Allen.
1: Hey, Andrea. How are you?
2: I'm good. Um, hopefully- I am a
1: bad man, so I like it. I like it. <laughs> I'm, a ba- I'm a bad-ass Republican conservative is what I am, and I'm a Trump man. And I just can't even believe I I wake up every morning turning on the news and turning on the Internet and looking over the news and seeing just everyone in the world arrayed against Donald Trump. The media, liberals, Democrats, establishment Republicans, and even Ted Cruz conservatives, they all hate Donald Trump. And yet it's kind of like the old Yogi Berra statement. What did Yogi say? He said, that restaurant's so popular, no one goes there anymore.
5: Right.
1: <laughs> so, you know, if, if everybody hates Donald Trump, how do you explain that he's winning by a landslide in the Republican nomination process? Nobody likes Ted Cruz even more. Well, he, likes right. John I, even more. Exactly. Explain in national polls. He's gone up in the last few days while the whole world's against him. So there must be something going right for Donald Trump.
2: Well, the, I mean, the the, the argument is. That he's has not gotten past a certain 40 something percent, you know, threshold. That means 60% now that we've had 20 something contest, it means that 60% of of the voters don't want him. But I'm looking at that and I'm going, well, that means that 70 something percent don't want Ted Cruz. I mean, you know, we've got people that went into into Utah after after so much of this nasty stuff really because it has gotten really nasty. And I got to say, I got to throw out some strategy questions for you because I've got an attorney coming up in a little bit to talk about the legal implications. Um, of the Corey Lewandowski arrest for battery.
1: By the way, they they do say, Donald Trump made a statement a few minutes ago, it was not in any way, shape, or form arrest. That that word can't be used. He was not arrested. He just he just was taken in and issued like a desk ticket. It was not okay. an arrest.
2: Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that because that is important. And that's one reason why, because I'm not an attorney. And that's one reason why I've got a federal attorney who's actually going to be on the show in a little bit to kind of walk us through what this means. But, but, because but, but, Andrew, here's
1: what I want to say about it. Again, I'm not an attorney either, but I'm certainly not a wussy. You know, I'm the badass chef mm-hmm. guy that you just mm-hmm. played music for. <laughs> I grew up in a, in a really rough neighborhood in New York. Okay. And I fought for my life. And I know what a fight is. A fight is you're wrestling on the ground and someone's got a knife above your head. Right. A fight is punching someone 15 times in the face while their nose is bleeding and their teeth are coming out. Grabbing someone's wrist in the middle of a mob scene at a presidential event where people are in the way of a guy who might be the next president, you're pushing them all out of the way, that in no way constitutes assault. This is the wussification of America. Michelle Fields should be ashamed of herself. This is a joke. If I push someone out of the way of my man Donald Trump, that's my job to protect him. She's not, this is not an assault. She's Right.
2: Was well, let me ask you some questions though, because from a strategy standpoint, and I'm I'm a, a long time. I, I did a lot of years in corporate sales, and so I I always think first as a strategist. Uh, and, and I think that there's a legal there's a legal case to be discussed here, and then there's also a strategy case. In my opinion, from a strategy standpoint, because you know. Uh, I haven't endorsed anybody. I can make an argument for both Trump or Cruz, but I really, what I like about Trump is that I think that he is the guy to blow up the establishment, which is sorely needed. I would say from a strictly from a strategy standpoint, because sometimes you got to not, not be so focused on whether you're right or wrong and be focused on, you know, doing the, doing what you need to do to win. What What I would have done after what I would have done immediately to squelch the story was, first of all, I would not have my main campaign guy in bodyguard mode. There's absolutely no reason why he, is the security force uh, behind Donald Trump. Put that layer of protection in there between him so that you don't end up being in this situation. I think that would have been smarter strategy. I think he did did end up touching her. Do I think it rises to the level of battery? Absolutely not. But the fact is, there was contact. I think for him to come out later and said, "I never touched you." Bad strategy. I think at what he should have done at that point was he they should have apologized, take the gentlemanly approach, and say, "I'm so sorry that I was forced to touch you to get you out of the way because you got yourself a pe- do the Don- do the Donald Rumsfeld people who put themselves in harm's way put themselves in harm's way. I'm sorry. In order to protect your security, I had to I had to touch you. Kind of thing but at least issue some kind of a, an apology and squelch it just like this thing with the Melania ad it 's gotten so out of control my 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 and, and you know Trump you introduced him at a rally you're very high level. my suggestion to the trump to the Trump campaign would be like when that when that to, to be a little bit smarter don't be so knee jerk when that ad came out with Melania, I would have said if I had been Trump, I would have said, I get what y'all are trying to do, but I got to tell you I am number one in the polls because people want in part because people want to see that amazingly gorgeous classy hot witch woman melania in the white house thank you for the free promotion for the gorgeousness of my wife and move on
1: well, listen, I wish you and I were running the Trump campaign because I agree with you on everything you just said. You know, and I'm, I'm not shy about saying I disagree. I, I argue with hosts all the time about certain things, and I agree with you 110 percent with everything you just said. That's exactly the way both incidents should have been handled. But unfortunately, Donald Trump is in the lead right. and winning big for the GOP nomination because he's his own man, because he won't take advice, because he's running a one-man right. army True. for president of the United States. It's really just him and Corey running for president that there are right. no real advisors and it just is the way it is and you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, right. I, well, the I fact that lots he, of advice and he listens right. to, you know, occasionally to one or two, right. sends you back a nice note, most he doesn't and it's just going to be that way. That's the way he is but I still love the guy right. and well, I think that's what the tr- that makes him who he is is also the poison that hurts him again and again, you know?
2: Right, and I and I also, and yeah, and I think that in in part his brashness, his, his, his,
1: his is most positive in a way. It, it is his
2: most positive so and, so and, most and positive. he takes, Risks
1: all the
2: time. Part of the issue that we've had at, at, with as Republicans is that we've got our leaders that operate from a place of fear. They're so worried about backlash. They're so worried about what the media is going to say about them. They're so worried about trying to prevent being called every word that they're going to be called, no matter whatever they do. We're going to be we're going to be labeled racist if we want to enforce immigration laws. We are going to be labeled, you know, elitist one percenters who hate poor people if we don't want an expansion of the entitlement program. We are going to be called haters of women if we don't want to pay for everybody's every woman's condoms out there like Sandra Fluck we're going to be called those things anyway so you can't operate from you can't operate from a standpoint of fear we have seen that happen so that's one reason why his brashness like this and the way he will say something and you know not worry about the consequences later is appealing to me because I need somebody like that because you better be like that going into this general election going up against Hillary Clinton and I am not seeing you know um As I'm seeing more. um, Ted Cruz was on, uh, had a great quote the other day, actually. He was on the news, and he said, Hillary Clinton is more angry at me. Hillary and Obama are more angry at me than they are at ISIS. Well, I would say the Republican Party is all a lot more angry and attacking a lot more Trump than they are Hillary.
1: Well, let me take it a step further. Can you imagine, let's talk about a wonderful utopian world for conservatives. Can you imagine if all the conservatives and all the conservative PACs and super PACs, had just taken the money they spent to try and destroy Donald Trump, and instead they used that money and aimed it early at Hillary Clinton. She'd already be gone. Yeah, This is such insanity. It when is. you see the ads with all the words Trump has used against women, and then they brag, see, we've chipped away at Trump. He's not that popular among women. Well, of course he's not. You just spent $100 million to make him look like a horrible being. If yeah. you had just spent that $100 million against Barack Obama and Hillary, you would have destroyed and branded the Democratic Party. This is idiocy. And yeah, by totally. the way, it's also, I'm the world's biggest Trump fan. I defend him in the media every day, but only someone like me can also tell you the negative. Okay, I could criticize Donald because I've earned that right. Donald, this is idiotic that you don't spend your time criticizing Obama and the Obama economy all day long. Right. You know, while people are talking about Ted Cruz's affairs, and whether Donald Trump spread it or not, and whether Corey Lewinsky touched a woman's arm. Well, all those distractions are going on. You've got terrorists that are bombing and killing and maiming proving Donald Trump correct that you can't let every Muslim into the United States and you've got to tighten security and you've got to build a wall at the border. While you're going over those stupid things like Ted Cruz's affairs, you've got an economy that's melting away. I'm a businessman. I can tell you that the media's lied for seven and a half years, Andrea. There's never been a moment where I would describe us as in recovery. Not one moment. Now you see they've downgraded, the Fed has downgraded GDP to under 1% for the first quarter. We're in a tragic Obama Great Depression. The news is a tragedy. At the same time that came out, a new report came out that shows that Obamacare has dramatically hiked up the cost of health insurance. Like I couldn't have told you. Mine went from 500 to 1700 a month under this so be and i don't mean son of a butcher barack obama he has ruined the middle class economy he has ruined capitalism he has destroyed jobs he's ruined the healthcare system and he's destroyed the middle class of this country this should be the argument 24 hour day by every republican That's including right. my man donald trump That's and right. it's not no. they get distracted on garbage it makes no sense
2: right i mean we've got obama going out around the world saying oh capitalism socialism there ain't a whole lot of difference bernie no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I got correct you. He didn't say capitalism socialism there's no difference. The exact words on video capitalism communism, no difference. Mm. Big difference. Big difference, because liberals will tell you that is a big difference. There's a big difference. I don't think there is by the way, you look at any communist country like Cuba is known. Look at Wikipedia communist country, but socialist party, Fidel Castro. Socialist economic system. Look at the old Soviet Union. Communist country, but socialist party was what the uh, each president was from, and the system, the economic system, socialist. So they're really the same thing. But liberals make a big distinction that socialism is not communism. Right,
2: because and, for the, what they say is, well, in Marxism that means owning the means of production. And I say, you know what, you, st- you own the means of production when you regulate it to the point to where they have no control correct, over anything correct. at all okay. with, the, with their production. But here's so the it is the same point. thing.
1: Correct. Correct. But here's the important point. Communism, no one can debate. Look it up at Wikipedia because I did to make sure I was right. Communism is a system that led to the death of of ni- the murder of ninety-four yep. million human beings in this century, or I should say in the in the twenty-first century, ninety-four million people died at the hands of Stalin and Pol Pot and Mao and other communists. Uh, Castro, yes. the two people that he's fed every time he goes to Cuba, Obama. So now he's telling you there's no difference. Exact words from the president's mouth between communism and capitalism. Capitalism's never killed a single person. Communism is a murdering system. That murdered ninety four million, and we have a sick, sick, offense, psychopath in the White House who honestly doesn't know the difference. Well, very, I think he does very know the difference. And the media's ignored it.
2: I think he does know the difference. I think he was steeped in, in Marxist ideology when he was growing up. People have said to me, "Well, then, how? Why do you argue, Andrea, that he's that he's trying to partner up with the Muslim Brotherhood in Islam because their their system?" is a perfect partner. Sharia is the perfect partner for a Marxist because they're both centralized totalitarian systems of complete control, and they both involve the murder to accomplish that goal. I got final thoughts, Wayne Allen, before we got to go. Well, just look, we got a bad, bad guy
1: in the White House, and I think Trump and all of them, whether it's Trump, whether it's Cruz, no matter who it is, You've got to keep pointing out the terrible economy, and Donald Trump should point out to women, you know what, forget my words about women, worry about Obama's actions that have taken your jobs away, and held your wages down, and made your house price go down, and made your stocks go down, made the entire American economy go down, made health care go up, Donald, Obama has destroyed you, I'm going to create jobs, don't worry about words, worry about actions, that's what should be said, and as I close, just want to mention, my website where all my opinions are on video, Roots for com. r-o-o-t for com. and my book is the power of relentless
2: Ooh, he's a bad mother shut your mouth we're talking about wayne Thank allen you. love you wayne thanks for calling in all right, in. All right. okay bye all right, we're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to revisit this Lewandowski story because I'm curious as to the legal implications of what this could mean. Because to me, that's it's a serious situation, and my suggestion to the Trump—well, I want to ask this lawyer first. Vic Bajaj will be here, and I want to see what he thinks, and then I might make a recommendation, uh, another one for the Trump campaign. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Never Another day,
4: another night. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook page at Andrea K, Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient, homestyle recipes, and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican
1: food. We get it too.
0: Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is a business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533.
4: You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Got a little ABCs. Got to get a little learning going on on the Andrea K Show And I'm I'm trying to do, give a little school into Trump, okay? Because I think in in a couple of situations here. You know, I, I'm a longtime saleswoman. I've always been in communications in one way or another. And, some, you know, I, I kind of like to think I know a little bit or thing or two about how to, how to make a sale on some occasions. So I was chatting earlier with my buddy Wayne Allen Root in terms of uh, some suggestions for how the Trump campaign could have done a little bit better, the way they've handled some of these situations. I'm wondering if... The Lewandowski Michelle Field situation—if it had been handled a little bit better, whether or not charges would have actually been filed—I'm not an attorney. Wayne Allen isn't either, so I've got a phenomenal attorney here to join me on the show. I got a couple legal questions for him. He was a voted nation's top one percent attorney by National Association of Distinguished Counsel. Woo! Um, I think he might have a couple of answers to my questions, Vic Bajaj. Hey, Vic, thanks for being on the Andrea K. Show.
5: Oh,
2: my pleasure. Good morning to you. Hey, um, so Corey Lewandowski was charged with a misdemeanor of of battery. Um, To me, when I think of battery, I think of somebody, you know, getting ended up with a couple of black eyes and having their teeth knocked out. Um, I guess it can also be just involved unwanted touching. Well, you know what? That happens to me every time there's a sale going on down at, you know, Saks Off Fifth. Shouldn't I then be able to... When
5: you're trying to order a latte and somebody bumps you on accident, right?
2: Right. I mean, what the stink is going on here? I saw another attorney this morning. Attorneys all over the place are disagreeing over this. And when I hear so many attorneys disagreeing, it makes me think that maybe some prosecutorial discretion should have been involved and he shouldn't have been charged. What do you think?
5: Absolutely agree with that. The problem is, you know, when a victim, and even though we should say the lady who is a reporter is a, you know, maybe pushing the envelope a little bit uh, under the law in Florida and California, anywhere, Um, She is falling within the parameters of a victim, Mm -hmm. and there are bills of rights that come along with victims, whether legitimate or embellishing or what have you. In California, we have the Marcy's Bill of Rights, Marcy's Law, which gives the prosecutors regulations and courts regulations on how to deal with the victims. One of those regulations is that we cannot ignore victims. So in other words, the days of the police department or on the federal side, the U.S. attorney's office saying, well, we do not believe this should make its way to court. Those days are over. Right. Uh, what ends up happening is the law enforcement investigators in any one of these cases conducts their investigation. Mm-hmm. If they find that a battery, staying stay to the facts of this, um, this incident here, have been committed, which is very simple, isn't it? I mean, was I touched? Yes. Did I ask to be touched? No. Am I now a victim of battery? Yes. Can I voice my concern? Yes. And so that's where we are. We're in a position where law enforcement officers have their hands tied behind their backs, and now sometimes politically driven district attorneys or city attorneys' offices throughout the nation have to make tough calls and it's just like domestic violence cases you know you mm. have a lot of these in good economy and bad economy and it cycles it's sort of a fact of life we all unfortunately have to deal with
2: kind of like uh, sexual harassment was like a huge thing for a while you know and it still
5: and it still is you know we had that huge case in silicon valley where a lady was trying to sue one of the big um, IT companies for millions and millions of dollars and You know, fortunately or unfortunately, the jury in that case said, well, we don't believe it. And and that's a sad reality of these battery cases. Should it have been stopped before charges are issued? Yes.
2: Well, let me ask you there. Let me stop you there, because I I think that the Trump campaign handled this in in a really horrible way. I don't know why any campaign manager is doing crowd control. That's what you know, security Mm -hmm. guards are supposed to be for, first of all. Um, Second of all, don't put your hands on a woman, in my opinion. Um, you know, um, I think, but then again, I, as I'm, even as I'm saying that I'm saying, well, you know what? People and celebrities do have a right to have a restrict, to have a space. Trump had a right to not be touched if he didn't want to be touched by her. So it would it have been battery if a security guard and not Corey Lewandowski had done it. Restrained her.
5: It it would still be a battery. The question is whether there is a legal defense to it. And let's not forget the actual video footage, right? We've all seen the video footage of what happened.
2: Which to me was a non event. I see it and I'm like, yeah, somebody reached out and, you know, pulled her back away from Trump because, you know, Trump was leaving. I didn't see that as battery. And I think that that's one reason why some people are like, well, there was discretion and there didn't need to be a charge. Somebody was basically restraining and providing a safe space around Trump. I think that it, to me, it should come down to what is the law. If Trump has a right to not be touched, then that should be a defense against somebody keeping her off of Trump.
5: Right. And as a matter of fact, you can take it a step further. The battery is when the actual touching occurs, and the assault is when the fear or the exactly. thought you are going to be battered occurs. So, you know, Trump really is well within his rights to say, I do not know who this person is, whether man or woman. I'm running for president in a very, very contentious election. Yes. Which both on racial grounds, political grounds, security for our great nation grounds, economic grounds. It's a polarized election, isn't it? Right. And so if you look at the video, the point I was going to make is that if you look at the video, I agree with you that touching is de minimis. Should it have given rise to charges, in my humble opinion, having successfully represented thousands of people on batteries and assaults? I will say no, it should not have made its way to a courtroom. It's an absolute laughable theory of prosecution. I think a jury at the end of the day will kick it out of court. Uh, Of course, that's after hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent on prosecuting the case, which is not worth it. But back to the video, look at the video. Who is Donald Trump surrounded by? in the video he's surrounded by black jackets these are his security team mm-hmm. nobody is allowed within that little circle if we actually take a moment to look at it and dissect the video footage people in front of donald trump are wearing black suits to the left of the individual and they're all big guys wearing black suits these are clearly security detail mm-hmm. somehow uh, the reporter made her way towards. Mr. Trump's right side within that circle of protection mm-hmm. and whether the campaign manager is a security guard or not, I believe everyone there has an obligation to protect. Now, do we know that? And I agree with you, you should never put hands on a woman. But you should also never put your hands on a man. That's okay, true. So-
2: and, and there's also a phenomenon out there called woman spreading. And this is where women, um, because they know w- what the laws are and they know, kind of like women, I've, I've heard of women going into a workplace and intentionally trying to incite sexual harassment so they can file a lawsuit. There's a phenomenon out right. in crowds called women spreading, where women intentionally put themselves in harm's way so that they can make a case. Had she not gone forward with this, had she had received, had Lewandowski apologized to her directly and Trump apologized and or fired Lewandowski? Dowski. after this happened. Could she have then said to the prosecutors, I don't really want this to go forward? And would it have dropped been dropped then? Or, or, you know, how much how much role does she get to play in terms of whether or not charges are filed?
5: Great question. She's the gatekeeper. She is the key holder. She is the only one that can dictate whether criminal charges go forward. Now, of course, experienced defense attorneys will say, especially in domestic violence and other battery cases, that the victim is only so powerful that at a certain point in time, the state prosecutorial agency, in this case Florida, is the one that will say, I don't care. What you have to say, complaining witness, we have enough corroborating evidence to go after him for the battery. Mm -hmm. So in a certain sense, she's not powerful, but in the most essential sense, she is because Mm -hmm. she could refuse to cooperate. She Mm -hmm. could refuse to testify. Well, I don't think she is. I,
2: I, I mean, she I don't know if you follow her or know anything about her, but, you know, clearly, you know, she you know, wants want this case this case to go forward and I'm not going to make any judgments on that because I'm mm-hmm. I'm not her. Um, but I have yeah, made no, judgments in terms I, of
5: I, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Go ahead, please.
2: I, I just I have made made judgments in terms of how I think from a strategy standpoint and a public mm-hmm. relations standpoint and a human standpoint. You know if I if I do something and in, intent unintentionally or, or not and it hurts another person, I say I'm sorry. You know, I mean mm-hmm. why couldn't Lewandowski have called her and said, you know what, I apologize. I, you know it just in my knee-jerk reaction to you know to protect donald trump you know maybe maybe i i touched you out of turn i didn't even remember it and and if i hurt you in any way i apologize you know why not say that and and maybe maybe this whole thing could have gone away because we're not talking now about a whole host of other political stories that you probably have no interest in thank you mm-hmm. so much for being here how can people get more information on you for your I legal expertise
5: Right. Bajajla, Bajajlaw, dot com. It has all the information anyone would need.
2: All right. Well, thanks so much for being here. And we'll we'll keep uh, – We can I keep you on the speed dial in case this story goes for, forward? I might need more uh, criminal defense expertise.
5: Absolutely. Keep me on the speed dial, but not for the same reason all my other clients do. I, I will take your <laughs> call.
2: <laughs> all right, Vic. Have a great day. Appreciate it.
5: You as well. Thank okay. you.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> Speaking of criminal cases, um remember San Bernardino, the second largest terrorist attack since 9/11 happened and there was a um the federal government <clears throat> um filed the lawsuit uh, or I don't remember all the legal wranglings of how it went down but basically Apple was instructed to create a software in order to enable the FBI to get into the iPhone because there's some I don't carry an iPhone I don't like Apple proprietary platform you know it's like the mafia once they get you in you can't get out Um, but I guess there's a way that you can put a a code in your iPhone and keeps people from you know if they try to use your password X many times and it doesn't work then it shuts the system down and everything gets destroyed so Apple was informed and told, instructed to create a software. Apple said no. They said that this is about um, uh, privacy, people's privacy. And so ended up, what's ended up happening was the FBI actually got an a unnamed group to help them break into the iPhone. I'm really, I was kind of torn on this story from the beginning because I thought, you know what, of course, why wouldn't we want to be able to get into the messages and find out who these people were communicating with and and get to the other people that were behind this? Because these are like, you know, this whole situation, this Islamic terrorists, they're cockroaches, they're hiding everywhere. We got to find out who these people are. But, um, you know, as Apple said, the fact that these hackers some hacking group, some unnamed group was able to work with the FBI and get inside that phone. Proves exactly how vulnerable the system is. And Apple did not want to be forced to make it even easier by being forced to create a software that could go around their systems like this. And on top of it, Apple actually said that this, their attorney actually said this case was never about just one phone. It was about an unprecedented power grab by the government that was a threat to everyone's security and privacy. And that's why this story I ended up airing with that no way should any corporation first and then individual second be forced by the federal government to do anything. First of all, it's about control over a, a power grab over control over corporations and then the individual to work on their behalf. Trying to force us to be an agent for them, number one, and number two, you know they look what ended up happening. They were able to get in that phone, able to get the information from, from these terrorists without having to go the way that they were trying to go with Apple. Trillions of dollars were spent on a data mining facility, and that started under George W. Bush, out in Nevada. They are watching us. My question was, look at the look at the extent of which they're trying to get into all of our data. Meanwhile, they are refusing to go into mosques. They they had the, the Obama administration tried to act as though in Department of Justice, as though but for the ability to, to force Apple to create the software to get in these phones, you know, like that was the, you know, but for that, we'd be able to win the war on terror. Meanwhile, we still have President Obama who declared to destroy and degrade ISIS, deciding now that the way to, de- to destroy and degrade ISIS is through distribution of ISIS here in the States. After Brussels, after 70 Christians were killed in Pakistan, after a priest was crucified on Good Friday, his plan is, he thinks it'd be some good PR to bring the Syrian refugees here after ISIS has already said they're going to infiltrate them. What happened in Brussels was in part due to these refugees going there. This is what's going on here. So all this about the Apple iPhone, as though they got to get into that phone, got to have that security breach in order to solve the war on terror when they're doing nothing about who we're bringing here. They're doubling down on bringing these people here. They're doing nothing about investigating the mosques. Nothing. And then I found a report going back to 2015 I didn't even heard about this. Thank you to my, my uh, Andrea K. Show friend producers out there on Facebook. A Muslim imam who I talked about this woman here, si Ali yesterday with Bridget Gabriel on the show. She's the woman who was uh, subject to female genital mutilation in Africa. Ha- has become an, a staunch, outspoken um, person against Sharia, against Islam. Talks about how it's not a religion. It's a political system of tyranny, like I just talked about with Wayne Allen Root. And a Muslim imam who called for her assassination... Was hired by the Department of Justice to be paid for by American taxpayer dollars as a guy who's going to go around to the prisons um, to to do I don't even know what oh to, to teach classes in leadership and guidance to federal prisoners. This is the insanity with which we we're, we're what's going on in America right now and all this going down between the the Republican Party is Wifegate. We're going to take a break. We come back. We got more Andrea K. Show on the other side of the break. Oh, I
1: won't be afraid just as long as you
5: stand. Stand by
4: me. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
2: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help
4: You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170,
2: The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you all here with me. I am walking on sunshine. I've had a great show, super fun. Um, I always like to try to work in a little business on the Tuesday show. I actually didn't get as much in as I usually like to because there's so much you know, breaking today in the world of politics and, and different things going on. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to bring this next guest to you. So many pe- people out there don't know that San Diego is a hub of entrepreneurism. We have amazing entrepreneurs here in San Diego, and we have amazing incubators here to help the launch of startups in San Diego. We are the bioscience hub here. We have amazing technology companies coming out of San Diego. And as a border town, we've actually got a lot of companies that have... have uh, businesses here in San Diego and across the border. There's a lot of business owners who work in San Diego and live in Tijuana. So we have an amazing business community here. It's one reason why I did BizTalk Radio for four years. I did Close Up on San Diego Business for, for two and a half years. I'm a business person at heart. I love business. I love what we do in San Diego. And there is an incredible event happening here this weekend. And I know some of y'all are going to think that it's too much maybe into the global economy. But you know what? We do have a global economy. And it's happening right here in San Diego along the border town. And there's a World Forum this weekend um, that I want you guys to know about, especially if you're here in San Diego. And my special guest today to tell us about that is Adriana Aguilla. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. She's the executive director of Cali Baja Binational Mega region. She's also a radio host. I mean, she's awesome. She's amazing. Welcome to the Andrea K Show, Adriana.
6: Hi, Andrea. Uh, thank you very much for all the introduction. It's really nice of you.
2: Uh, well, thanks for being here. Um, we only have a few minutes. Tell everybody about this amazing event and how they can come to it and what they can expect.
6: Of course, yes. This is an event, an event that, it, that happens once every year and it happens in different parts of the world. Uh, last year was held in Abu Dhabi, the, the year before that in, in Pennsylvania, and then the year before that in the UK. So San Diego is going to be hosting uh, uh, this time the event, but we are we made it a different one because we put the binational component to it. The first day, which is on the Monday of next week, we're holding tours to Tijuana, to Mexicali, and Imperial Valley, and of course one that is held here in San Diego in order for us to show the biotech industry, as you said, which is, which is really great. And then in a couple of days, uh, my, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll be having a full agenda with panelists and conferences at a really, really high high level. It, yeah, it's, like you have
2: Andrew, uh, excuse me for interrupting, Andrew Serwer. I'm not sure I'm saying he's the yeah. current editor-in-chief of Yahoo Finance. Prior to Yahoo, is was the editor of Fortune magazine. So that's amazing.
6: Yes. So very high level, and so the people that are coming are mostly corporate people, CEOs, investors, uh, family offices, and EDCs. So we're we're bringing people from Europe, Asia, Latin America, North America. So I think it's going to be a great, great event that's going to showcase the whole region, and of course, showcase what we have in terms
2: of bilateral component. And so it's going to be at the Manchester Grand Hyatt, April 3rd through the 6th. And where can they get more information?
6: Of course, yes. You can log into the uh, to the webpage, which is worldforumforfdi.com, or you can you can write me an email, Adriana at calibaja.org. It's spelled A D R I A N A at calibaja.org, and I can uh, tell you more information about it. We have a couple of tickets still, and uh, I think it's going gr- to be a great event. and Business opportunities in order for you to network with this
2: type of a uh, profile. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I encourage everybody, if you're in the area, those of you listening from, you know, anybody in California, get down here for this. Um, you know, get to know the community down here, hear these amazing business people, become a part of the entrepreneurship spirit that's here in San Diego and in Tijuana down in in, uh, Ensenada. I know so many amazing businesses that are in here and in San Diego and down just across the border into Baja. Amazing um, business. This is San Diego and uh, Baja support our entrepreneurs entrepreneurs we love them and so thank you so much for what you're doing adriana to promote this i appreciate it and thanks for being here thank you much for having me okay bye-bye now Uh, Speaking of business, i got to wrap the show on a little business story that a lot of people were talking about, and it's kind of involving the SCOTUS ruling. SCOTUS, you know, we lost Antonin Scalia. Evidently, what happens when there's a split uh, decision is it goes back to the the lower court, and that's where it stands. You know, we get brought to you a story last fall that the union situation, taking union dues from non-union members, uh, basically a money laundering scheme – uh, to fund money to the Democrat Party was heard by SCOTUS, and it ended up being a split decision. Basically, unions, you know, have an opportunity now to continue to pick the pockets, take it literally. Take it. It's like going to a non-union employee, taking an ATM card out of their wallet, going to their ATM, and taking that money to against their will for and to use for political purposes. It's complete oppression, political oppression. This is this that to me is the ultimate in, in Marxism. And oh, by the way, on top of that, related. Speaking of unions, uh, the unions were successful in pushing a deal that's been reached here in California to increase the minimum wage to fifteen dollars. You know, I, there was a funny meme that, that I I posted on Facebook yesterday. Bernie Sanders saying, "Oh, the unemployment rate's too high, so let's increase the expenses and make it even harder for businesses to hire them." Fifteen dollars minimum wage. You know, you know, one reason why I went to college, because I didn't expect that I could get a job bagging groceries out of college and be able to support a family on that. Oh, the minimum wage. Somebody, somebody came out against this. First of all, it's going to be incremental, a, a dollar every year. But this, this is such liberalism. It doesn't deal with the issues that are really behind poverty. It doesn't really deal with the issues that are, are behind the why we've got a cost of living, why we have the silent inflation and it costs $5 for a loaf of bread now. This doesn't solve any of it. No liberals. It's always about more, more and more, and more control. Culturally, the issue of poverty is not because minimum wage isn't high enough. We already have the highest minimum wage here in California, second only to Washington, D.C. This doesn't address any of the problems. It never does. But let's keep this conversation rolling. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea Show. Go to my website, andreacashow.com. Uh, Follow me on Facebook. Let's keep this conversation rolling all week long. I'm going to be filling in for Dr. Gina on America Trends TV Friday night. And I'm also going to, you know, I'm on a Craig's sewing show every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. right here. Love you all. Have a great night, everybody.